This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking another round and promising young woman. Two for one? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. What a life, what a night, what a beautiful, beautiful ride. Oh, nowhere I'm in fire. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron as always. Abe, hello. Hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We also like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is one of our bonus uh, episodes here uh, that we – it's not a commentary track. It's, in fact, um, it's a couple of reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's off from the kind of regular formatting of the show because we wanted to cover a couple movies here that we just haven't really talked about uh, leading into the Oscars. We've covered right. all of the Best Picture nominees and most of the major award contenders with the exception of these two films, Another Round and Promising Young Woman. So we decided, yeah, it probably makes sense to have some, you know, coverage of these movies in addition to all the other ones we've had as well. So that's what we're doing. So we got a bonus episode here. We're going to talk about these two films. And uh, joining us to discuss another round of Promising Young Woman, we have from Lenoir Artur. He's sobered up and not messing around at the clubs. It's Terrence Johnson. The thought of going to a club <laughs> in this COVID world is like, I can't believe I ever went to a club like ever in my life. <laughs> Let alone thinking about going to one now. We're we're watching Terminator, and uh, you know, as they're in L.A. in the club in 1984, it's just like I can't believe they're doing that. Yeah, ew! Like being that close to sweaty bodies, multiple yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, do you guys remember sharing drinks? Yeah. No, Ooh. no, <laughs> no. That's not a thing that I do. <laughs> I was more, talking more to like, my, hey, taste this. Does this taste weird to you? It's like, but there are like other things. It's like, do you remember going to foam parties in college? Foam parties? No. Where where did you go to school? Oh my god, I went to Georgia Tech for undergrad. You I've, didn't do a foam party? I've never been to a foam party, no. but I've certainly heard of foam parties before. Essentially, it's just like a. It's what it sounds like. It's like a party where like the whole situation is filled with foam. Right. But it's like the disease. <laughs> That had to have been floating around in that foam. I just, I just can't believe we did certain things. Like Isn't that. it soap? <laughs> yeah, I was like maybe maybe it was soapy foam. Oh no, nah. it wasn't. Yeah, it was like two hundred people in some frat house's backyard. You know. You know what's also gross when I think about like the ice cream museum up in San Francisco, and how people have taken numerous photos in that ball pit of like sparkles. <laughs> yeah. So gross now. It's uh, what are we even doing? Ball pits in general. What are we even doing? At least it's like generally for kids. Like adult ball pits sound like the worst possible thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's this is all bad. Like worse. Anyway, than, worse than a lazy river. <laughs> uh. Oh. Anyway, Terrence, you're, you're doing well. <laughs> uh, I am. I'm doing all right. I'm in the Bay Area. I've been in the Bay Area. Oh, no, oh you're in the Bay. I didn't know. Okay. Yes. Welcome came, back. Came up to visit my dad. There you um, go. We'll be back in LA in a bit, but yeah, it's been nice. Are you, are you guys in the East Bay? We are in the East Bay. Nice. At an, un, at an undisclosed location. That's correct. Yeah, we cannot <laughs> we cannot discuss further. Keep stalling. I'm gonna trace. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been nice. It, the weather's been beautiful. So yeah, it's nice. Keep, keep him going. There, I'm, getting, I'm getting the trace. I'm getting the trace. Okay, I'm gonna get his location. <laughs> Keep him on the line, keep Aaron. Keep on the line. Hold on. Hold on to him. <laughs> Wait, no, Terrence, tell us about your day. <laughs> uh, well, no, good to have you back as always. I'm um, excited to, to talk about some, some more movies with you as we plunge into Oscars next weekend. Um, 
I'm in the longest award season. <laughs> I'm just I'm ready for it to be over. It's like you would think that extending the season might make people like less intense just due to the nature of like not needing to follow it day to day because of how long it's been. Mm -hmm. And these people have like, they're like, Oh, we can follow it day to day, (laughs) hour by hour, minute by minute for two additional months. Like I I just, just please tell me, I just want to know who won. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just be done. Please. Or just replay the the Academy Awards from last year just to keep us going. <laughs> like just run it live on Sunday this this weekend. Remind I, us of that. It would be kind of fun to. This is a whole different thing. It would be kind of fun to watch like older Academy Awards celebrations, like from like yeah, or not like from a couple years ago, but from like, yeah. like the seventies like, and the yeah, like, like the Jack Talents doing his pushups. Yes, the, yes, that one specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they like they um they like things to be in the here and the now they don't quite like celebrating their history like they used to well mm-hmm. i mean when academy plus launches and the streaming service when netflix or amazon buys uh the oscars <laughs> yeah, <not really. laughs> um well yeah speaking of oscars that that's going to bring us to some show notes here as we tend to do on this podcast we will have our oscar prediction show next uh, friday when we record that which will go up immediately followed by our Oscar results show, uh, which will be recorded ideally Sunday, well, not ideally, will be recorded that Sunday night following the Oscars. Well, ideally, ideally, <laughs> yeah. But we, we might get to it Monday. <laughs> no. And so, uh, yeah, we always uh, like to do that, have a friendly competition um, as far as having a friend of the show, Mark Hoban, along with my lovely girlfriend, Anna, and of course, Abe and I. And if we rope anyone else in, we'll see what happens. But generally, that's pretty much the, <laughs> the thing we have planned and yeah. uh, keep it fairly simple. But yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, get some Oscar predictions going and what have you. Um, and speaking of which, that episode will be available on iTunes, where you can find all of our episodes. And you can also log on iTunes and find our show and give us a star rating and review. Five stars only. Uh, I, and speaking of five star episodes, we just recorded our Red Dragon commentary. Oh, I thought track. you were going to say we got a new we got a new uh, review. <laughs> Maybe after this Red Dragon commentary track, we will get a new review because it was uh, it was a smash yeah. <laughs> to record. It's of course part of our uh, Hannibal Lecter series of commentary tracks. It's our fourth one. We did Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. Now we've covered Red Dragon, which is of course all leading up to everyone's favorite Hannibal Rising next month to conclude mm. our commentary track series um, that started out very strong. And then, well, I just told you we recorded a Red Dragon commentary track, so there you go. I mean, he's got the back tattoo. He does have the back tattoo. We talked we talked about that back tattoo quite a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a lot of fun. Talked with uh, friends of the show, Brandon Peter, Scott Mendelson, and Peter Paris. So stay tuned to hear that one. By the time this is out, you'll it will be available. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it for um yeah, for show notes. notes for now. So let's uh let's move on now. I have something that we haven't done in a while. It's a little thing I like to call no everybody. <laughs> That's how we I, I, it took me a second to pick up on what you're why you were slowing down. I was like, oh, I guess we used to say this together. Yeah. In unit. <laughs> well, here it is. So, everybody. Yeah, we haven't done know everybody in a while where I ask a question to kind of get us in the in the right tone of the podcast. Ooh, mainly because we, hmm? we used to ask questions. Yeah, we used to ask questions. Did I say I? Yes. All right. Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> well, we used to ask questions, yes, to get her better set the tone for the podcast, and it, it's been a minute. Uh, but here we are, because I, I saw I saw this come online, 
and it got it got my mind moving as far as the answer to this thing. There was a there was a thing of uh this person or this person. And so I'm gonna throw it to you guys and we can all discuss it real quick. It came up earlier this week. It was Jamie Foxx or Will Smith. And I Oh yeah, I saw this conversation. And so like my initial thought was well, Will Smith, because I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, when I was growing up, like Fresh Prince was on and like was watching it a lot. And my and and my mom, who was all, who was also big into to Will and everything, she he was at the point where it's like he has a high top fade, I have a high top fade. Like that was like her like logic <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it, it was in that kind of zone. And of course, obviously, he has like the movies and everything. He's very charismatic. But then over time, Jamie Fox came along. I mean, he was around. I was watching *The Living Color*. Like I've seen plenty of Jamie Fox as well. But just to get my answer out of the way real quick, I, as much as I like Will Smith, I kind of looked at Jamie Foxx as far as being the more versatile of the two. But I'm curious of what you guys would say. Terrence, this is based off of their filmography? Just based, just like them in, ge- just like in, in terms general. Of, just in general, as far as like so, an entertainer goes. This is, this is, this was tough because like Will is the bigger star, mm-hmm. but Jamie Foxx is undeniably more talented. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would I would lean Jamie, you know, Jamie can both sing and write music. He I don't think he graduated from Juilliard, but he went to Juilliard. Mm -hmm. He has the one acting award. Will Smith does not have, which is the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Jamie, it's I mean, Will is Will is still phenomenal. But, yeah, I'd I'd give the edge edge to Jamie Foxx. Wow. This is a tough question, right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, when you really start everything that Taryn said is true, but then everything Aaron said about nostalgia is also true. Well, it's not even just the nostalgia; <laughs> it's certainly like that factored in. But I know, yeah. but but when you think about it too, because this is sort of like the island question, like, oh, which movie director would you want? Would it be uh, between? Uh, and I'm not trying to issue a new question; it's just a question I've heard in the past between the Scott brothers, like Tony or Ridley. I was like, I think I might lean more toward Tony because there's a variation and also, you know, more fun movies versus like some thinker movies. So this is tough because when I'm thinking about filmography, there aren't like any given Sunday is like a, a, a wash fun movie. It's long. Um, I know that. Fun movies too. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like off of talent, I do like that, that uh, the versatility of Jamie Foxx and he definitely can play music or and and play the piano, and he's also hilarious. Uh, I love his stories, so I think they might be unanimous, guys. I think it might be Jamie Foxx. But here's like here's the thing with Smith, like Jamie Foxx is very charismatic as well. Will Smith is like a like a universe of charisma. Like there's just something there that just seems like it really hits strong. Um, but I, I'll I'll say like the thing I think that was the deciding factor for me beyond just like the things that have been mentioned already, it's the I like I looked I honestly was like it was like Baby Driver where it specifically because I don't I can't see Will Smith playing like a villain where Jamie Foxx has some there's some kind of edge to him that just kind of clicks where even when he's even when Smith is like tried like I don't know six degrees of separation kind of and then seven pounds he's like purposely playing antagonistic in certain senses even though he's the you know hero of that story so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't I can't see him being like an action like what was it like what was it Winter's Tale where he's like the devil he's it's, the devil for it's like just like minutes or something yeah but you watch it it's like well no <laughs> like I don't want that, that, that's that's not a thing that I need to see like, he's he's 
you still see him as like Will Smith, the charming cool guy. Even like Hancock, where he's despicable, you're like, well, yeah. we just, you know, he just he needs a buck up. Like that's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting point too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because like Jamie does have some clunkers. Yeah, for um, sure. Oh, no doubt. But so does Will. Um, speaking of seven pounds of Hancock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I want to make a minor correction. Jamie didn't go to Juilliard. He okay. went to a different uh, college where he studied musical composition. So mm. one where he, he dropped out and became like a homeless man on the street until Robert Downey Jr. found him. Oh, God. <laughs> what was that one called? The Soloist. Yeah. Okay. What, what, that, what am I, I thinking? Remember, remember that being since we're talking about the Oscars, remember that being like, oh my God, Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. Uh-huh. This is like uh-huh. another Oscar. Because <laughs> it, was, it was like post-Ray and it post- It was Joe post, Wright. Yeah, Joe Wright. Post-Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, but before Iron Man. Yeah. So, so Robert Downey Jr. is in that, like, he's, he's acting a lot upright. really well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, the, I think it's the one Joe Wright film I haven't seen, actually, because I like Joe Wright quite a bit, but that's like the one I haven't, uh, haven't watched. Yeah, so. it's bad. It didn't it's look bad. good. Like I saw that trailer. I was yeah, like, it definitely didn't look good. I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> okay. A musical savant living in Central Park? What could go wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, we're all on the Jamie Foxx train, it seems. But <laughs> but it certainly it provoked the discussion because I was like, well, this is, that is a good con. And of course, it's not about putting any either one of them down. Obviously, they're both very talented. Like they both have. Yeah. They've I mean, achieved the level of fame style. that's ridiculous that none of us will get. So. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I wanted to throw that out there. So that's how you play. No, everybody. Close enough. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move into it, guys. Let's get to our first review for another round. So did we go? Afhandling. Daglig indtagelse af alkohol. Tilstrøm til konstant niveau på en halv promille. Med henblik på indsamling af evidens. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for another round. Four friends and teachers at the same school in Copenhagen have a night out and discuss a theory about how a relatively mild blood alcohol content level can lead to more creative and relaxed teaching and life persona. They all agree to go through with it, uh, to kind of test this theory, and although there are seemingly positive effects at first, the experiment is taken further to a point that could lead to disaster. Mads Mikkelsen stars in the lead role of Martin, and the film reunites him with director of The Hunt, Thomas Vinterberg, who is currently up for a Best Director Oscar for this film. Abe, I'm aware you haven't seen all of the movie. Yes. So you can... I have I have seen uh, literally up to the dinner or the dinner where the, he's going to Nikolai's dinner, and they're talking about the 0.5% alcohol, so barely anything in this movie. Oh, okay. my gosh. So feel free to participate as necessary. But oh, yeah. I oh, will, yeah. I will go to Terrence. Terrence, what did you think of the film? I really liked it. Um, Mads Mikkelsen is very, very good. It's interesting. It just, what's interesting about this, like you see movies from other countries and you're like, Americans could literally never come up with this premise. Like if we're doing this premise, it's turned into like the hangover. Right. Right. Um, And so it's really interesting to see, this movie from another country sort of made with the the different themes and moral structures of that other country and trying to like view so like I really dug the movie at first I, I had to put like I had to turn my brain 
point, I was like, these people are drinking and they are teaching high school students. <laughs> this is not morally correct. And it's like, okay, but the movie is not about moral correctness. <laughs> it's just about these people testing this theory and it going horribly wrong. So I really loved it up until like sort of a big shocking point. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of was like, oh, that it, it, it felt like it cheapened it for me, the shocking point, because it was really before that it was really wrestling with like these men essentially like thinking they were gods for lack of a better phrase like this alcohol was helping them achieve all of the things that they wanted to in life and it was like it became like a crutch and then they started abusing it and then their lives started falling apart and so yeah when it got to that really shocking point i was kind of like eh, i don't even know if we need this but in general i really dug the film mm-hmm I also really enjoyed the movie. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, The Hunt from a, from 2012, almost 10 years ago now. Um, and so I was really excited to see, oh, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen and uh, Vinterberg are back. They did uh, Far From the Madding Crowd, too, actually, so come to think of it. They've, they've done a, couple, a few collaborations together. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I, I really uh, enjoyed this film. I do think Mads Mikkelsen is excellent here and maybe one of his best performances. I think he's really strong. And what I like about it is that because he's in his, you know, his natural area, his natural environment, he just gets to play like average guy compared to imposing figure that he generally plays in American roles. So it's neat to see him just like, hey, I'm just, I'm just Mads Mikkelsen. Right. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like me, kind I'm of. I'm just a Swedish guy. <laughs> I'm just an average Joe, Mads Mikkelsen, you know, you know me. Uh, but like, I, it's the kind of thing, like I can't think of a random actor that plays average Joe and does it really well in America, but it's that kind of thing where, yeah, you minus the the you know genre trappings or villain roles or what have you just seeing him play this guy it's compelling on its own um i I think that indicates just how good of a a movie actor he is as far as being able to make a lot out of you know just martin the teacher um with that in mind you're absolutely right terrence as far as seeing a film like this in another country is something that you just won't see or replicated here as effectively there obviously there's ways to make american dramas that don't have these but you know there's just a difference there and my key thought there is thinking back to last year when downhill came out the remake of force majeure which right. i thought was terrible i thought it was a terrible movie because it just couldn't take on the natural quirkiness that came with with, with that uh, with that film the original it just didn't know how to match that tone so you just have this kind of slightly wacky thing with Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus that has elements of drama but just doesn't know what to do. So this film, right. getting to this film, yeah, I, I really engaged with the idea of seeing something like this that just, it feels like it's operating on its entirely own level and it's very successful at doing so. I see what you're saying as far as where it goes, um, as far mm-hmm. as taking it to a certain kind of extreme. At the same time, I, for one, I really, I really like how it ends up closing things off, but in terms of like, the ramifications of the tasks that they're doing perhaps it's i don't know if it's cliche but it's certainly like there's it's kind of a nat it feels like a natural evolving point as far as well this is they're taking this kind of action we're going to get to a certain point where you just have to put a hard foot down on what's being said at the same time because <laughs> i i don't i don't think that portion is better than the stuff that precedes it i can get i can give you that yeah. for sure but it is the kind of film where yeah where it's it plays like a dark comedy, but mm-hmm. it very much it very much is a tragedy. Like the them delving into basically ways to not call it alcoholism. The the <laughs> yeah it 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 almost it, you know the way it's played because you're 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 laughing along with it to a point, but it 
it you know it's certainly not promoting the idea that this is a good thought which makes so especially i think people that are have dealt with people that have been alcoholics i feel like it's pretty terrifying to like watch these things go down even as they are somewhat entertaining at times to see the kind of scenarios they get into well yeah it's because like you're watching these characters like it's it's in europe has different every most places around the world have different relationship to drugs and alcohol than we do here in the united Mm -hmm. states um the drinking age here is is 21 the drinking age a lot of places in europe is 18 if not 16 so but like you're watching these teachers drinking on school grounds and it's like what (laughs) (laughs) like and it's one it's one thing for like when when they first start like you see mads mickelson's character you know drinking in the morning right before he goes there and then it sort of naturally progresses into them bringing alcohol onto school grounds, which, you know, leads to very many, the many issues that it can lead to. And so you're kind of just like, you're just watching people make increasingly terrible decisions mm-hmm. as in the beginning, their lives are getting better. And so it's like, okay, we can keep pushing it and pushing it further. And I kept wondering, like, these are all like grown men. Like at what point are they going to realize that like, figure out where their limits are you know and so it's interesting to watch these characters you know make piss poor decisions and blow past that and all of that result it just got like one character just has a particular end that i just was kind of like okay this is valid it's valid in the story it just to me that moment sort of what you're talking about with the balance aaron it sort of tipped it a little too far into the drama category yeah it's not it's mm-hmm. knocking it heavy on the theme as far yeah, as yeah particularly given how the movie ends mm-hmm. you know the sequence that a lot of people are talking about and how it ends it's, i'm kind of like okay like this is a nice sequence but like this other thing just happened 15 minutes ago mm. <laughs> that i can't get out of my mind so what what do you want me to do with this end sequence I mean, uh, what, so for there, it comes down, and we're being vague, obviously, but I think it comes down to yeah. how much time do you spend putting your audience through a certain kind of emotional place before moving on to something else? And it's kind of, and I'm not saying it's perfectly handled, but I do, I mean, I don't think Thomas Vinterberg, you know, put this together and is like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I feel like he, he like went with what he thought was his best measure <laughs> as far as yeah. how to handle what the character's emotional state was before kind of shifting gears once again because the movie does you know it moves around as far as its tone it, it's yeah. it's walking it throughout the film it's walking a tricky line as far as wanting to be a hangout movie wanting to be a marriage drama wanting to be mm-hmm. this kind of um you know how the teachers got the groove back story like it's, <laughs> it has all these different ideas going on and so like yeah, I can I I can see that being tricky and you know not obviously not necessarily working entirely uh, for everyone the same way. I, and I like I said, I agree with you to a point as far as I prefer more other parts of the movie compared to this aspect of the movie. Yeah, uh, I do, th- and I do think the marriage drama aspect of it is really interesting. Like you brought up, mm-hmm. Matt Nicholson getting to play like a regular guy, and this is such a. I'm just dragging the United States, but you know, it's fine. Uh, we deserve it. Uh, <laughs> like he, when we get like 
foreign imports, for lack of uh, acting wise. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like they play the villains or they play like the sex pot. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's so initially strange to see Maz Mickelson playing disillusioned history teacher who's having troubles in his marriage. And you're like, what? But he's such a good actor. He like really makes you believe that. And then I found all of the marriage drama stuff compelling, especially where it goes. Like, his, it, the alcohol does help it improve, and then it doesn't. And then it's like, well, we're just going to watch this continue to spiral down and, you know, really dig into... It's really interesting the perspective that it takes, like, as his drinking is ramping up, but as the reasons for the problems are being laid bare and how that affects their children. And that plays uh-huh. into something I enjoy about how the film handles alcoholism. I want to pause, yeah. though, real quick to correct myself, because I said Far From the Madden Crowd features him. And what It's Matt, Matthias Schoenarts is in Far From the Madden Crowd, which is a Thomas Vinterberg film. And I was gonna, it's going to eat at me if I don't say that out loud. So I just, wow. another, <laughs> I'm glad that we got real-time course correction. Another, <laughs> another uh, foreign actor um, mm-hmm. who played either a villain or a sex pot. Yeah, very much so. It's like we we literally have no imagination when we get these talented people. It's like when Penelope Cruz came over here and she was doing like Sahara with Matthew McConaughey, and then she did Volver and got Oscar nominated. <laughs> like, can we get can we find some roles that match the talent, please? Uh, but yeah, to we're, get... we're not that cool yet. I mean, you know, <laughs> one day, someday soon, maybe yeah. maybe the only person that's sort of like broken through being a bad guy in an American film. And then one of the hearts and minds is uh, probably Hans Landa. So. So Christoph Waltz, known yeah, American, Waltz. known good guy in American films. <laughs> <laughs> but then, to Terrence's point, he's probably done things like in Austria or in Europe that's like, oh, you're you're a really good actor that is not a bad guy. Um, yeah. One of the things I had a question for you guys on is, um, does Vinterberg sort of end this with like, see, there's a moral here? No. No. Okay. I, what I... Uh, I uh, the, tra- the tragic thing feels that way, but he like really sidesteps that in order to move on mm. to get to this ending. I don't know if the ending I was I would say it's interesting, but it's, it's not that it's interesting. It's just kind of a unique place to go. It is, and it's character centric. That's that's yeah. That's where it, it stops the film. It, it wants to put it on onto Matt Mickelson as opposed to onto like a you know what, look at the world and see how you feel. It's not doing, and that's what I was getting to as far as like, the way it handles alcoholism. Like in, in terms of, and just like in general, in terms as far as what you're asking, Abe, it's the same kind of thing. It's uh, it, it, bear with me on the example, but it's like something like a like Goodfellas or a Scorsese gangster film where sure. his films aren't going out to underline the fact that gangsters are bad. As far as like, you know, putting a big sign what? on it and saying like, guess who's are who? Guess who the bad guys are in this situation? He just he's putting out a film that's like, yeah, I don't need to tell you they're bad. I'm showing you they're bad for two and a half hours, and I I feel this film is doing that with the alcohol. It's like, yeah, sure, these in the moment these guys seem to be having a good time. But look at the things that are happening to them. <laughs> like the, look, right. yeah. look, look at the marriages that are getting strained. Look at the personal yeah. lives of some of these people. Look at their professional lives in some instances. Like it, it's putting that out there. So in terms of like the film ending on some kind of message, well, you watch two hours of this thing. If you have some kind of, you know, differing feeling on how much alcohol you should be consuming in order to get on with your life, you might have missed something along the way. <laughs> like, yeah, because that was. It was wild. Yeah, that was wild. I, I I do like how he 
sort of broke that down and essentially it's, it's divided into chapters as they continue to sort of push it and it just you know you get you you see these characters get to a point and you're like all right maybe being sloshed at school like maybe we need to take a step a, a, sm- a small step back and these characters are like you know what it's like that dw meme it's uh-huh. like um <laughs> you know that sign doesn't count because I can't read and they just blow past it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like it's this like sneaky drama as far as, or like a yeah. sneaky suspense almost as far as, again, you're watching these people and occasionally, yeah, there's some moments of levity, but it's also mm-hmm. like, okay, you've proven that this part of it works. I guess that doesn't make <laughs> me feel any better, but now you're increasing it. And that speaks to the alcoholism, right? That's like, right. we're not, see, we're not alcoholics. We're completely in control. We're doing an experiment. No, you're not. You're just becoming worse and worse people. Right. <laughs> it's like I like how the film, again, it's not, it's not like um, vehemently saying, "Look how awful this is." It's just showing us, guys, this isn't great. This is not a good way to go. And you just have to kind of sit there and take it as they continue to experiment this, this further and further to further extremes. But it's entertaining. <laughs> like it does a good. That's that's the good part of this movie. Like it makes this work as far as okay, like these are abhorrent choices, but. I want to see where this goes. I want to, I want to know what they're gonna do do with this stuff, and it's, so it's yeah, it's pretty effective. I, I, well, I sort of like a follow up question to our, our maybe next week's podcast, but um, what do you think about its award chances then? Um, I think it has a very good shot of winning foreign language film, international film, Terrence. I'm sorry, internet. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, Terrence, get it right. Come on. Um, You're from the Bay. Blame, blame the Academy. I didn't name it that for 80 years and then change it. This, this is why. This is why. To our point earlier, we're never going to see reruns of Academy. Um, yeah, I didn't give it that name. Um, I think it has a good shot to win there because it landed in Best Director. Yeah. Um, I'm actually. I'm still shocked that Mads Mikkelsen didn't crack actor considering how much love that movie would need to get. Um, even though the direct, the director's branch, you know, they're holding it down um, at the Academy and making the most interesting choices. They really are. I mean, look they, at, look they at do that. not <laughs> care about your predictions. <laughs> they are going to vote for whoever they think is best. And they're going to throw something weird at you and, 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 Thomas's inclusion is is very strange. Well, um, it's showing how much influence the international branch has, especially in yeah. this area. Like I, because it obviously made me think of a couple of years ago when both Coron and Pavel Pawlikowski for a Cold War both landed in yeah. Best Director, which was That's for me it was War. awesome. <laughs> I know it was. I know it was awesome for you. It made no sense, but it was awesome for you. Yes. <laughs> Well, it made sense because it's one of the best films of the last decade. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like. Or is that is that Ida? That's Ida. That's Ida's, Ida. Al- Ida's also Ida. very good. I like Cold War more, but um, I mean, the, yeah. the thing this is a different conversation. The thing is, Cold War is a very directed film, which is why I was like, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that that happened. <laughs> it is very directed, um, poorly. Uh, so, <laughs> but for but for this one, I think it's interesting. I think I mean I think to think about this in 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 the context of the Academy Awards and in the next film that we'll talk about, it's like. This film is very showy, but like it's so character driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this year's director lineup is way more like character driven pieces than we have seen in recent memory. You know, 
like like even though Roma is character driven like that thing is like an outdoor piece sure right you know it's very la la land very showy we we've been in this era of like the academy used to give like the spectacle movie best picture and the intimate character drama best director sure. and then like at some point it swapped and now we're having a year where we didn't really have the big gigantic things and now it's like okay the character driven people are being nominated for director. So that's interesting to see. But even then, like the films that are up for Oscars uh, for best director for best director are fairly flat. Like Mank is a flashy film. Nomadland has a very distinct, you know, visual yeah, look not, to it. Promise, promising Omen is obviously very, you know, visually distinctive. Did you, see, you know, was Sandra Bullock in space? Really? Was, <laughs> you know, were we, did we shut down the I-10 so that people could dance on top of the freeway <laughs> you know that that's what i mean by like you know no man land definitely is and this is a very you know directed movie because mm-hmm. the ending is so like it's very it's showy big. but it, yeah. it, it it's just this is a movie about dudes who descend into alcoholism mm-hmm. yeah no I, I hear you well that's a great way that's a great place to stop it <laughs> You don't want to forget let, it. Let, let, no, let, let them descend into alcoholism. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I definitely uh, I'm gonna finish it. But um, I kind of expected uh, that it would go that way too. And the only observation that I can make, because I've only seen the first like ten minutes of the movie, is uh, I essentially got that same feeling that you guys both got, which is I don't think an American movie could do the opening of this movie. Like where it's that fall race or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. I was like this is a, a unique thing to this, and you know we would have instances of it, but just the way that it seems so not wild but also wild at the same time. Like I love the part where they like he gives that woman on the train a beer bottle and then he gives her a smooch on the cheek. Like I don't know, just for whatever reason, an American film would would not do that and. Uh, I'm curious to see how it goes because uh, The Hunt was one of the most frustrating movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's incredibly frustrating, but it's so yeah. good. <laughs> so good, and you know, I mean, you're these... gonna be mad at these people. Like, they, there, there is, there's just a point in this movie where they like, they're like, okay, and then they decide to do one more thing, and I'm like, oh no, what? Y'all are grown <laughs> adults uh-huh. with lives and understanding why yeah and these guys are not young like to your point they're celebrating some guy's 40th birthday and to your point meds because has two kids Mm -hmm. uh, that that are in like their their early teens or mid-teens with that in mind it's not as frustrating as the hunt because the actions they're taking are largely affecting just themselves themselves, where yeah yeah, Yeah. you know the hunt is yeah the hunt was just like i am gonna tear my hair out watching this movie and it's not and it's not it's like fucking liar (laughs) because she didn't get a hug and he's also a teacher in that movie so maz mickelson loves playing teachers in his homeland yeah (laughs) um in any case i uh i i i want to actually just ask you guys quickly on like some of the um other categories like from the technical aspects uh anything 
that you guys like. I noticed a lot of shaky cam, so... Um... There's not enough dinosaurs in the visual effects, but, I mean, I was still pleased with how it played out. <laughs> well, they should have used, like, real-life animatronics like they did in Jurassic Park 1, not in, like, you know, blue yeah. Park. It's, uh... But, you know, music, uh, score as well as uh, other technical aspects? I'd say... Or unremarkable? No, I think it, it's... It's what it needs. It's calibrated correctly. Yeah, it's very competently made. It, like, yeah. it, it needs. It's doing. The emphasis is in the place it needs to be. There is some. Yeah. There's like some subtle work with the cam, with the cinematography as far as framing, um, at points. It's, mm-hmm. Granted, it's been a few months since I've seen this movie in full sight. <laughs> but um, yeah. But I mean, it, the thing that's popping into into my mind is sort of the last fifteen minutes is very it. like. That's where the camera like. That's where the camera work really comes into play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to finishing it on Hulu. Good. It is available on Hulu. Good to point out. Anyone can see this that has a Hulu subscription. They can watch this pretty easily right now. Um, but with that said, uh, I would I would certainly say go check it out right away because I do think it's a, a really strong film, especially as far as you know if you you know want to increase your international filmed intake. Uh, this one's right there available to watch and it's very good. But uh, Terrence, how about you? When when should people see this movie? I mean, I definitely say check it out, you know, before the Oscars at least. You want to be a you want to be a smug moviegoer. Terrence, <laughs> um, like smug... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you a single shirt, a one of one that says "smug moviegoer." <laughs> well, in the in the same way that you know you want to be a smug book reader when the adaptation of something comes out, you want to be a smug moviegoer. Book is way better. Yeah. Uh, I will point out that the film is called Another Round in Danish. It is it is Druk, which. No surprise, it is uh, the translation is binge drinking, um, <laughs> which I have no doubt will be the American remake title of this movie. So. Oh, God. So what you guys have it's described just... so far, it feels like that. It feels like the David Koechner movie, where they just keep upping up the 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 dares or the bets that they ask people to oh, do. Oh, cheap cheap thrills. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, maybe like minus the fun of cheap thrills, perhaps. Yeah, it just this is this is just the kind of character. Mm-hmm. They, like we've had movies with people, mm-hmm. you know, like Flight. I'm drunk now. It's something that comes to mind. I'm gonna roll that, it. That does something interesting with, with, All right, with okay. alcoholism, but but nothing that's meant to be like. I just don't think Americans can calibrate the kind of dark comedy you need for this. I, yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean by that. Like it's it's weird that I haven't seen the rest of it, but I've seen enough international films to be like. Mm, there's something about these that Americans can't redo. Yeah, there's a there's a texture there that you just is yeah. entirely like, it feels it's, plain it's its sometimes, thing. but it's there. You know what I mean? So it's weird. All right. Well, that was our thoughts on another round. Let's uh, let's move on to our next review for Promising Young Woman. Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. That should have been some of the trailer for Promising Young Woman. 
Carrie Mulligan stars as a 30-year-old med school dropout who has taken up a cause of getting back at men who try to take advantage of women as a means to get vengeance for her best friend who committed suicide. During her quest, she runs into Bo Burnham's Ryan, a former classmate who manages to break through her icy exterior to poss- and possibly stall her out of her mission. However, it may not be as simple as it seems to end her plot for revenge. Promising Young Woman originally debuted at the 2020's Sundance Film Festival. It is the directorial debut of Emerald Fennel, who is currently up for a few Oscars for the film. Mm-hmm. Terrence, this was your number one film of 2020. Oh, it was. When did you first see it, and why such praise? I actually saw it pretty early, and I was watching it on like a tiny screen with like a couple of my other coworkers, <laughs> and we were screaming in the office. You know, back when you would like back when we had work. phone parties. Back when you would like go to work and like sit at your computer with other people in a space, all breathing the same air. Um, <laughs> what is this fantasy, Laura? So, we were screaming and then we got, I actually got in trouble because people were mad that we were yelling so loud. And it's like, well, did you, when you see the movie, you will understand. Um, I appreciate movies that take a point of view and go with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, while I don't think that like America could handle a dark comedy, like another round, I look at a movie like this. And even though this is made by a British uh, written by a British woman um, and starring a British woman. <laughs> it was filmed. It was filmed here. Um, a lot of people in the supporting cast are American. Like, I'll say a westernized story. Like, this is sure. Emerald Fennel has such a clear vision of what she wanted to do, and she executed it. And that's what I really appreciated. Like, it is very strongly acted. It's well written. It like, even if you don't like it, it forces you to really wrestle with why. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting. I thought Carrie Mulligan is phenomenal in the main part. Bo Burnham is very good, and it's it's just a really sort of you know, pardon the phrase, but like a really ballsy take on on the subject sure. matter. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed the film. I mean, clearly if it was my number one, but yeah, it's really good. Abe, I'm aware that you have not seen the entire film. I'm, no, I've, I've been taking care of a dog. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry this is the running theme of the episode, but I, I, do, <laughs> I do look forward to hearing, you know, your completed thoughts once you do finish both of these movies. But as far as the kind of, you know, what the what the film has set for you, set up for you as far sure. as the bar goes, where, where are you at so far? with? Yeah, I, I've seen where they're getting to some thick cuts of the meat uh, in the movie, and then I had to go take a dog out for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Like Terrence, I was I wasn't screaming, but I certainly was like I like the vibe of this a lot, which is to say that it has really good writing for sure. But to Terrence's point, it's got this point of view that does it doesn't care what you think about this point of view, it's going with it, and it sort of reminds me of something like Young Adult, um, where okay. it's not it's, yeah. they're not exactly the same, but it's from. Charlize Theron's point of view, and she's not a good person. There's a callousness <laughs> to both of those characters. There is, but I, I haven't seen where Carol Mulligan might soften up or, or what have you. But essentially what, it, what, uh, what I'm driving at is that it has it's you're good or bad, win or lose, you're on your Carrie Mulligan is your vehicle. You know what I mean? And I love that 
aspect of it, which is to say that she is doing something uh, to people that have either wronged her or are weird creeps in real life. But I think beyond that, it's really funny, too. Uh, and I don't know, like, I, I don't know how it sort of ends up per se, but there were three laugh out loud moments and I haven't had that in a stay at home movie in a while. Um, so it was, it was actually really cleverly written, uh, where some of these punchlines are hit. Um, Bo Burnham has showed up already and I, I love Bo Burnham, uh, for his work prior to eighth grade. And then also I love eighth grade. And I love his takes on certain things. So him playing like this doctor character that is um, that is seemingly uh, polite and charming um, and drinks coffee with spit in it is something that I, I'm curious to see how where it goes. Uh, and I'm holding my breath, so to speak. But so far, it's it's got a visual tone, which I like, which has a lot of like bright burst colors. And the tone of the movie is such that it's the opposite of those bright burst colors. So I, I, I don't know. There's a vibe to it. And Terrence, you're probably right that it's it's got um, an un-American vibe to it. Like, not un-American, but it's got sensibilities that are not American to it, which probably drives me to be like, yeah, I, I, I see where you guys are going with this, and I dig it. So I, li- I like this movie. Um, I, I, I'm not as won over by it as as you Terrans and a lot of people that are mm-hmm. you know, super high on this film. Where did it rank on your, on your list of films? This year? <laughs> it's um, I believe in the forties. Um, and, mm. and it's just, it's just about Still top 50. It's just about, yeah, it made the top 50. Um, there are, you know, it's like, it's just, I gave it a great review. Um, it's, it's the, it's, uh, it's just ahead of trial of the Chicago seven, as far as my best picture um, nominee ranking. Uh, but this isn't about why I, I'll get I'll get to where like not that, that not no, that you're, it, you're on trial not no, that it's fine not that it loses no. me but I'll I'll get to why sure. I'll get to what it is here so I, I I do think that the you know as far as as far as films go that are tackling like you know intense themes of the day or just in general like I do like that it managed to be this really entertaining genre version of that in the same realm as something like Jojo Rabbit last year a couple years ago being this kind of like well let's make a movie about you know nazis and what have you and make it this you know subversive comedy uh this one you know it's it's tackling male toxicity and it's interesting to see a movie that can find a way to make it this entertaining watching somebody tackle that head-on um but if anything given the kind of reaction it had coming out of sundance and just the way it was being talked up it's not that the hype got to me, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like there's a way to push this thing even further. And which is <laughs> odd because of treading lightly, because we might get into spoilers later because of where the film goes. It's hard for me to think, well, it does go places that are pretty extreme, but at the same time getting there, given what the film's trying to like communicate to me, I, I kept thinking like I could go harder on it. Um, at the same time, I really, I really respect the fact that this is not a very explicit. It's not an explicit movie, really, at all. Uh, aside from some stuff that takes place that's violence, there's not like this is not a movie that really plays into like the actions that are to because there's not really action being taken. It's more of really stern di- talking tos and what have you to go along with the kind of entertaining, uh, darkly comedic moments that are going on, and the character relationships that are building. Uh, so it's. 
I, I like that it's making very deliberate choices in that sense, and I do think it's very well directed. Like it, it, it's a very it's a movie that very much has a like like you have said it's go, it's taking you on a, a certain kind of journey and it's very much sticking with that throughout. It's very consistent in that manner, and it's using all of the things visually and from a writing standpoint to like make that point stand. So you have very deliberate choices when it comes to costume design, the production design. You have a lot of like you said, a lot of bright colors, a lot of pinks, a lot of pastels. Um, to indicate that this world is at least slightly stylized. And I, I think those are all very effective choices because of the darkness that's really lurking underneath all of this, right? There's, you know, just despite the kind of enjoyable nature of watching Harry Mulligan pal around with Bo Burnham or Laverne Cox or what have you, there is a sinister edge to this thing, uh, especially as it plays with that somewhat ambiguously as far as what Mulligan is up to. So, like... All of that makes it, it, yeah, it's a very well-accomplished film. It just, in terms of where it goes and what the messaging's trying to be, I can't say I found myself, like, more satisfied than I needed to be as far as, like, putting it up to this upper echelon of films that I saw last year. Mm -hmm. So instead you decided to make a... The miniseries, your number one film. No, I'm just kidding. Um... (laughs) I I just have one question before you guys go. Um, Does Clancy Brown make it out okay? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Phew. <laughs> he seems like a good dad. The the parents are very much exactly what you've seen on screen so far. <laughs> 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 well, let's. I mean, that's the thing. So yeah, we mentioned Carrie Mulligan, who's up for an Oscar, who's gotten mm-hmm. a lot of praise throughout the year, and yeah, she's very good. But there is this huge supporting cast as well. That's also like yeah. it's very they're very you know a lot of recognizable faces, but also just a lot of really. For one thing, like Bo Burnham, we mentioned already, is very good in this. Um, Laverne Cox is having fun. Connie Britton and Alfred Molina have a couple scenes in this movie that I think are pretty excellent and very intense. Yeah, Alfred Molina's in in particular Mm -hmm. um, stuck with me for a bit after watching the the film. And then you have a a lot of, we talk about subversion, you have a lot of, you know, nice guy male actors that show up to play... (laughs) <laughs> variations of terrible get terrible men you have like mm-hmm. you have adam brody and eventually mm-hmm. max greenfield and sam richardson and christopher Glo- vince plots loving himself yeah vince plots and they, <laughs> has a hilarious scene <laughs> and they're all like you know you don't given what the movie's doing eventually you pretty much get what they're doing with that but it is fun to see these specific guys being cast in these roles and watching the film play around with that yeah it's cool because like they're there for a short period of time and you're like, Hey, that guy. And you know, it doesn't take away from again, our vehicle of Carrie Mulligan. I think the other thing that, that I was on board with early on, and I don't know where the movie goes yet necessarily, but I was on board with Carrie Mulligan when she is eating the hot dog in the opening credits and she gets cat called and she just stares those guys down until they get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, I'm down. Mm-hmm. It's an area that really establishes like the kind of movie you're, Get, like just that that whole opening credits is like like you've already got a taste of what's happening based off the cold open of the film and you're not even sure what happened <laughs> yeah it's it's playing into this it's you know it's riding on to on genres it's riding on horror and thriller while you know taking in other directions as well and i think that that does make it very clever as far as how it how the screenplay is structured in that manner Terrence, I feel like you just want to burst out and start saying things that happen later on in the movie, which is why you're not saying too much right now. <laughs> uh, no, I was just letting you you have a, a talk. I, I do think it's it's an interesting 
film, it, it, with regard in the, with regards to the casting, mm-hmm. it's really interesting because this movie is filled with people you already know, like in the grand. Nobody, I, I don't think there's going to be a person that watches this movie that has not seen at least two of these people on television before. Sure, and so sure. that's a really interesting way to cast this movie because you've got, you know, you've watched multiple seasons of Schmidt, you know, and here's Max Greenfield. And it's like, okay, you know, or you watched Community and you saw Allison Brie, you've watched Glow, you know, you watched Friday Night Lights and wished Connie Britton had won an Emmy. Um, so all of that is in your heart once you pop up on the screen. And so it's a really interesting way of casting a film. And then using these different people to both play for and against type um, and what that does for the scenes where they meet, you know, Carrie Mulligan's character. You know, and just speaking about that, too, I mean, we've talked about all this seemingly stunt casting. I like that it doesn't take away from the movie either because they're there, but they don't they're not given a whole lot to do. So it doesn't really distract you from what are we driving at with Carrie Mulligan's character? Like, is she is she going to kill all these guys or is she like just, you know, dark and twisted or like what's happening here? So even though I saw Adam Brody and Adam Brody is a fun dude, uh, cause he's from the OC and, and he's made all these other movies where he's like the bro guy. It didn't distract from like the situation at hand where I was like, mm, I know what's happening here, but also I don't know what's happening here. And I'm kind of scared. Well, so. it helps that, like, you're, because you have, like, we're talking about this on, you know, like, almost an ensemble cast, even though the, you know, the very, the focus is very much on, on, on Mulligan's character, but at the same time, she's very assertive. She's a very strong sure. character. She's not one yeah. that's just reacting to these crazy people that pop up, like some movies can, and some movies are effective for doing that. This is a movie that's very much about her taking charge of every situation that she ends up in, whether it's just a conversation or it's a scene that's more tense. Every reason, every scene that she's in in this film is is a scene about her coming into the place and taking over the scene. And anyone else that's not involved in her mission, just they're just they they're they're there. They're there for for her to to walk over or get to the next scene or what have you. She's not in it for necessarily in it for you know uh, building up a you know a likable persona. Um, she's just doing what she needs to do to accomplish what she's going after, which it gets a wrinkle once Bo Burnham enters the film. <laughs> And this is where I take my exit. Okay, so yeah, I I think we'll we'll say goodbye to you for a little bit as they, as Darren and I kind of get a little bit more into what mm-hmm. takes place to kind of get into some of the the other themes going on here. But um, uh, we'll see you back soon, Abe. Okay. Okay, so I'll say since Abe's gone now, and since this movie's been out, and it's you know Oscars next mm-hmm. week, so you probably you've generally probably seen this movie or at least. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have too much regard. I'll say let's go let's let's go into spoiler territory in terms of like talking about the rest of this movie. Yes. Um, it's before we get to like the end end of this movie, uh, or you know the 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 more <laughs> intense moments towards the end. As far as what's taking place with, uh, I'll phrase it this way: Where where did you think things were going once? like the relationship between uh, Cassandra and, and Ryan like kind of takes off more. Oh, in the mid, so in the screaming I described, um, one of the things I was telling everybody in the office, mm-hmm. like there are no good men. And I was like, just wait, there are no good men. Like this is an entire movie that's talking about the fact 
that like even the man that seems the nicest has the potential to be awful and what that means as like a woman navigating the space you know we've seen a lot of that the conversation and, and it's driven a lot you know sort of how men are like well not all men and it's like yeah but like if you're a woman you don't have the time to like make the decision to like realize that it's not all men so I knew something raggedy was gonna go down with that character way in and I was just waiting for the shoe to drop and where she would take the story when it did and I definitely liked how it ended up for that but yeah I I, I, figured, I was like listen all these men are raggedy why would Bo Burnham be any different it it does help that like regardless of how predictable you might if how how quickly you caught onto the you know the movies the movies ruse, I mm-hmm. I do think it helps that Bo Burnham is it's not just that he's like a nice guy it's that he's Bo Burnham like he's playing very much into his wheelhouse as far as his kind of humor goes, and it's a perfect match to what Mulligan's like required to bring to her character and so you really I mean you really like these two together like it's it, yeah. it's getting by heavily on their chemistry on screen like it really works in that realm. Uh, but yeah, there is an inevitability to it because at the end of the day, yes, this is a, it's a thriller. Like it, it's a, it's a very entertaining and often very funny thriller, but it's, it's going to, it's trying to accomplish a certain thing and it has, you know, a message in mind as far as how far to take the, you know, people getting away with things, uh, conversation, which does lead us towards the <laughs> shocking ending of this mm-hmm. film. Uh, I will say as much as I, you know, already talked about how I wish the film went further when it did get to a point, even though we're in spoilers, I'll still be kind of vague when it, when it does get to like, it's, you know, it's big moment towards the end. I was in a state of disbelief as far as thinking, is the film going to go there? Is the film going to take away this aspect of its film and, and let us, and let alone let us proceed at that point. Like I, and that's the, that's the great thing too. Once, once that happens, (laughs) I'm then thinking, so, does the movie just end now? And instead, it's almost like the film is punishing you by giving you this extended amount of time with these other characters, um, and 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 letting you kind of just dwell on the fact that this thing happened that is carried out in such a realistically slow manner. <laughs> yes, it. I I loved it, man, and I loved. I there is. That there's one shot in this movie that will just haunt me for the rest of my days, and it happens after that. Pre- very very it's after that element is taken out of the picture let's shall we say mm-hmm. and the camera is just sitting there and two other people are also in that space mm-hmm. having a conversation and it's like emerald fennel is like summing up everything this movie has been talking about in a shot you know it's really it's very there's a matter of very, factness that yeah it's very michael Haneke funny games yeah yeah there you go i'm gonna like oh you like you you were entertained by all of this craziness okay so we're gonna we're i'm just gonna sit the camera here and you're gonna be in this space and it's gonna be uncomfortable and awful but i'm just gonna leave the camera and and you're gonna deal with what's happening in this room and we've talked about the you know the various casting choices it has the the perfect two guys (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be in this as far as the type of people that both of them have played, um, it's like, yeah, that it it is it's it's uncomfortable, but it's so like 
a lesser movie would be way too smug about how effective these moments are, but this one really does know how to accomplish what it's going for, I think. Yeah, Uh, and I think the thing that's interesting about it is it's like this is a movie that's less about revenge than I think it's about rage. You know, the fire of rage and what that's doing to to Cassie. mm -hmm. You know, it's like she had this friend and the friend is you know, no longer here, but like her life is in shambles. All of the rage that she feels about this thing that has happened has, you know, destroyed her too. That brings me to a question. Do you think, based off where things go, do you feel like the film is able to justify the choices she makes in terms of the punishments everyone receives by the end of this film? Um, I don't. I don't know, and I don't necessarily know if that's what this movie is asking us to do. It wants you to think about it to some degree. Yeah, I think it wants you to think about it, but I don't necessarily think it wants you to be like, oh, she was justified and do it. Like, to me, all of the stuff she was doing with the guys was just like, is wild behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Is wild behavior. Like, would I ever do that? No. Do I believe she, in her heart of hearts, would use this as a coping mechanism uh, instead of, you know, therapy? Um, which everybody in this movie needed, by the way. Yes, I do believe that. And so in terms of how she ultimately decides to ruin the specific people's lives, it's like, okay, yeah, I could see that. Whether By the time it makes those choices, there is no doubt that you want those people to have received some kind of... Yeah, but like the thing about, like, as you're going along with her on her journey, Mm -hmm. and like you you meet Connie Britton's character, right? Mm -hmm. And she has a really intense moment with her and you're kind of like, what is this? Like, she's just, it's like every, she's like, um, like a ghost of Christmas from, yeah, you know, Christmas Carol. It's a specter that like haunts these different people. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you're kind of like, well, yeah, but what does that mean for her? You know, mm-hmm. like the same thing with her relationship. It's like, I mean, I just knew, I just had a feeling that things were going to go poorly somehow because I was like, this is all of these worlds are too in, interconnected. But like you, I definitely think that it's the movie does a good job of showing you like the toll it's actually taking on the character and acting the revenge or the rage because like her life truly, truly is in shambles. Like even when she gets in a relationship with Bo Burnham, it's like that girl or woman I should say is never going to fully trust him like ever until she works out all of her own stuff but like she's too busy focusing on on this rage and this you know list of names you know like she's a Bucky Barnes you know or like or like uh, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill and so yeah it's really it's a really I, I like that the movie is like doesn't want me to think that she's right but also is not saying that she's wrong yeah and i mean i agree with that as far as overall where it's or at least Mm -hmm. at least in regards to her it's just it's little it's little things that added up to me that kept like holding me back from like embracing it more as this kind of spectacular event that 
that that it, that you and other, others have seen it as and it's not you know it's not to discredit what you're saying it's more from my perspective i look at this and think okay i i really enjoy what they're going for but at some point it feels like the film turns into just message and has less less going on as far as me feeling like i went on a fully formed journey with some of these people and it and i obviously it cuts that short to some degree like as mm-hmm. far as letting us see what the ramifications would have been uh but i and i, I don't think that's a cheat but and i and the other thing is i don't know what to i don't know what i would change and you know it's not up to me to change anything it's just you know the film is what the film is but it's like i don't know what i don't know what the different thing is to do to like make me like suddenly appreciate it more um mm-hmm. But I can't deny that it's a very exciting ride to be on as far as how the <laughs> film is presented. Like it, it, and it has this, you know, especially in the, even without the kind of revenge scenes or whatever you want to call them, since they're just stern talking tos, um, the just the general attitude of the film is very enjoyable. Like it's it's very easy to, d- despite the intensity of some sequences, it's very easy to watch like you know the banter, um, in this movie and like see these people there. Like a brought up, um young adults and that has a it has a similar rhythm as far as when things aren't at their worst it is just kind of fun to watch these characters in this world interacting with each other there's there's a mm-hmm. spark there that really works and again that comes through in the writing and and just strong casting i mean for a smaller film uh, that premiered at sundance like you got a really you know a really strong cast of, of characters yeah. to really bring the world well, to I think, life i think you know you mentioned certain talking to and they and they pretty much are i think that's the reason why I feel like she's like the ghost of, of Christmas and, uh-huh. and Dickinson. It's like she comes into your life at that moment and is like, you feel something. And then she's like, great, that's what my friend felt like for years and what every woman feels like. And then she goes on to the next person. And then you get to Alfred Molina's character and it's the first time that she meets somebody that's like... He's already going through stuff. <laughs> yeah, like this this case ruins... like my life too mm-hmm. and like my decision it's, it's like the first person who really has to wrestle has wrestled with their decisions and she's like okay like you you are you're spared right um which is interesting because how, he's the only one where she had somebody waiting outside to do something and we don't know what that was uh, compared to the, all the other characters where it's really just her she's the only one involved yeah, in the scenario i think i think she felt like like the other people were involved to different capacities, but like this, he was like the final nail in, in the coffin sure. to be very morbid of her friend before she passed. And it's like, that is, it's, it's tough. It's interesting to look at like the lawyers in, in, in situations like this. It's like, like you're a lawyer, you're paid to defend your client, but like, how, do you have any, like, is there any like responsibility in you choosing to do certain things? And we see here is that it really weighed on him to the point of a nervous breakdown. But yeah, I just, I enjoyed watching this woman go on her rage tour and how it, like I, it had to end. It's this, this movie is interesting in that I think because I've been watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, thinking about how you use art. Can you use art to critique something if you also glorify it within the art? And so here it's like this movie had to end the way that it did. And you do get some satisfaction of knowing that this revenge 
was not left unfinished, but it's like it's like you've won, but at what cost? You know? Sure. And the, and I I mean, there's ways that it could have ended, obviously, that are far more conventional or cliched, and it doesn't do that. So I certainly respect the film for making a left field choice that caught me off guard given how confident it was in mm-hmm. you, you know taking us a certain direction. You know, it it has that working for it for sure. I I will I will say like in terms of this mission that she's on and like the things that we're seeing her doing, it, it it's the kind of thing where like I have I have to make certain acceptances when it comes to the world and that this is a fable more than a realistic portrayal of how things would go down. Even but that yeah. that's where it creates a conflict for me as far as how much am I supposed to buy as far as what can happen in this world with what can't because I look at like you know, her mission is to go find these, even before she goes after specific people, it's like her nightly thing or whatever you want to, whatever it is, is to go after, you know, men in these clubs that are, you know, trying to take advantage of them. And I just have to wonder, she has like a whole notebook that has tons and tons of cross marks as if she's done this so many times. Yeah. Yet she lives in a seemingly fairly, you know, reasonably small town. I mean, wouldn't people catch on to this game at some point? Like I, I, I well, like see, the, the mechanics the, of this was getting to me. That's yeah, and I, I think that's fine. But I also think that's kind of the point that she's trying to make. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and and that's my thought on as far as the movie lets theme take over character in certain instances where it, it, yeah, it's, it's just like my it mind's doesn't... not like canceling that out well enough for me to like it more, even though I do yeah. like the film. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm getting it, hung like, up in certain places. Like to me, it's like. You know, I could see it. All of these people don't necessarily run in the same circles. Mm -hmm. So I could see her going to different clubs and having the same experience with different people. And that like a guy is never going to tell that story to a friend. You know, I think Bo Burnham witnesses it once. Right. Well, he does. He sees Sam Richardson and Sam Richardson's like, wait, you're the girl that was with my, with Adam Brody. And it's, yeah. so it's, like, I... that's where, that's where, and you see how it falls apart, but I think that's mm-hmm. showing you, you know, it's like the rage that she's feeling. She's just like this fire, like forest fire. that's just burning everything. Yeah. And she's, she's, she's becoming like, more careless at that point. as far Yeah. As like you really like therapy. That's like, <laughs> I recommend, I recommend therapy to almost every character on something I watch because they just, they need, find somebody to talk to. Jesus. Um, but yeah, for her, she's like using, it's, it's like the thing that's getting her out of bed to overcome this grief that she feels mm-hmm. is this rage. And it's like, well, this can go well for you in one respect and it can go poorly for you in another. It just is all a matter of the interaction. And call Abe back into the. I hear I hear what you're saying for sure, and like you know, again, it's just like, it's it's minor stuff that's like just holding it. It's not like you know, I certainly really enjoy the film, and I'm happy that it's getting the kind of the praise that it receives. Like it, it's doing what it needs to to you know address something that's very specific to the times. That's doing it in a a way that's you know creative and and assured and ambitious, um, which. That's the we should be getting those kind of films that are both challenging as well as you know ones that can work for the masses. The the most surprising thing for me about this film is that when it actually came out, when it you know hit theaters and eventually VOD, from my perspective, I the conversation was fairly muted as far as you know intense controversy over a film like this. Like it Mm -hmm. feels like everyone pretty much kind of is like, yeah, this is a good movie. 
like a movie like <laughs> like my my biggest thing is looking at like Rotten Tomatoes, where films that generally feature people of color or heavily female uh, tilted, the audience score goes way down all of a sudden. Imagine that. This is mm. this is it's very strong. Like this, the Rotten Tomato score is like like ninety six and like eighty eight or something audience score. Like people just generally seem to like this movie like a like a lot. Like of of the controversies happening right now as far as ways to derail Oscar campaigns, No Badlands, the film that's taking the blunt of it, to where this movie is just like kind of skating by, and it's like okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and I don't even think No Land is getting a lot. I just think it's just it's. It's sucking up most of the oxygen, I think, as far as... We've been in this award season for so long. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Terrence, you're just in perpetual uh, hell. That's what it is. It's actually... It, 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 you know, it... This is this is moviegoer purgatory. I have... And the people who listen to this podcast will remember me from my first few appearances. I did get my start at award circuit. So I have put in put in my time uh, talking about authors. <laughs> but... Um, I've definitely just become disillusioned with how people talk about the award season because it, it it becomes so much about stats and things. So that's why, in in many respects, I am glad for this award season and for a movie like Promising Young Woman. Like there have been interesting conversations about it, and I have seen people who really truly hate this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. It just or, feels like it's there's less yeah. of that than I expected for a movie like this. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. really interesting, but I think that's when you know when you have a director who just has like a grip on the material right and gets you to the end without you know making a serious misstep like you can look on wikipedia and see the alternate endings to the story right to the story what she was thinking about it's like all of those would have been good it's 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 very much in the same way how i feel about get out with jordan peele like jordan peele's original ending for that movie was that you know, it was going to be Rose in the car and it would end very realistic. That it's, The movie still would have been phenomenal. It just wouldn't have been as big of a hit as it was without, you know, without that. So it's like, you know, directors that have an understanding of how to, you know, get a movie to the end and land the ending can do a lot to sort of mute the conversation. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so you guys both loved it. Got it. <laughs> No, I mean, I loved it. In yeah. It, did you guys already give your rating? I think it's a strong good. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great way to start off a new film decade. Oh, hopeful. I love it. Yeah. Well, the film is currently on uh, Blu-ray now, and as well as like VOD and what have you. So it's mm-hmm. I, I I mean, it was your number one film, Terrence. So I assume that you should people should be racing out to see this film, right? Uh, absolutely. You're definitely going to want to see it until you can become a smug Oscar watcher. <laughs> it likely will take home at least one award. Hmm. Um, Are you leaning which way? One one way? I think original screenplay. Screenplay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that seems like a good place to ignore. But, it, you know, I really don't, as much as I've been ignoring the conversation around this movie, like this, this is a movie I feel like gets a lot of number one votes. Um, but the Academy is also like 93% male or something bonkers. So I could also see this getting a lot of number eight votes. Mm. A lot of men, so, a lot of men like this movie. Yeah. But Aaron, you, we, we know the Academy makeup. <laughs> I know. We have, like <laughs> par- 
Terrorists, the they might have changed. Who knows? The, defi- the definition of an Academy movie has changed. Like, you could look sure. at a movie like this making it and see that. You right. know, even even though Emerald got in the director five, I don't know if Promising Young, if a movie like Promising Young Woman makes it that far in a year or five. I do think you need an expanded form, which is, I can't wait till we go back to the straight 10 because um, the sliding scale is so stupid. It is. But, you know, it it's hard for me. Like, I never thought they would go for a moonlight. You know, mm-hmm. or a parasite. They kind of have to. They kind of have to do it before you can even believe that it will happen. Yeah, so, like the twenty. And I, I don't think you're wrong as far as the potential of this winning. But the 2010s is pretty strong as far as there's a lot of wild picks that wouldn't have happened in a previous decade with Shape of Water yeah. and Moonlight and uh, it's, <laughs> the other ones <laughs> that I cannot think about. This very moment, parasite. The artist. The artist. The King Speech. Well, the king, yeah, the king speech, the, the highly controversial yeah, like, that's king what I'm speech. Saying. Every, <laughs> sure. every, I mean, do, but do those movies feel like promising young woman? That's the thing that I struggle with. I mean, mm-hmm. the, like, the woman in the fish man movie is a little different. <laughs> but I know, that, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I mean, I think Carrie Mulligan is definitely in the mix for actress. I'm just I'm just pulling for Vanessa Kirby to win the Oscar, just so these awards watchers will lose their minds because <laughs> well given that she's the one that didn't win a major award yeah that would be wild <laughs> every actress that is nominated for best actress except for vanessa kirby has won a televised award uh-huh. wow. so people are freaking out you know because they don't know who's gonna win and i'm like great so let's give it to the person who hasn't won anything just to see people's heads explode and to get people to focus on the performances and an exciting award season rather than just being right. I, I love where your head's at. It'd be nice if a good movie won that Oscar, though. Her performance <laughs> in that movie is good. We separate. You got to separate. Fair enough. <laughs> separate, separate the, you know. There are so many good hashtags that have come up for this episode already. It's funny because I was trying to get also Joseph Braverman on this show, and Joe... Did not like God. another. He did not like another round, and he's a huge fan of of um of um uh, the the Kirby one with the um oh uh, uh, pieces of a woman pieces of a woman yeah <laughs> yeah to, to, p in a woman like it's there's just <laughs> the same scheme of, of lettering there <laughs> but um so yeah um, it's yeah it, it, that movie that would have been yeah I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure Joseph has lots of <laughs> lots of things to say um. But, but yeah, but I, yeah. Well, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes as far as this actor goes. But I mean, given how up in the air it is, yeah, there's, there's a lot of chances for something wild to happen in that category. I hope, I hope Kirby. I just the chaos. Like I, I, I just know certain people would like melt down if that happened, and it, it the, just the thought of it brings me joy. So, um, but in the end, it'll probably be Francis McDormand. <laughs> Sag's the biggest brooding branch. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> that's I mean that's true. But like we have had one Negro win that award in eighty something years. It's going to be really hard. That, that's when lightning strikes again. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> going to be really and you got really, two really and you got two options. <laughs> but, oh gosh, yeah, that that would be wild if Andre Day won the literally. 
known as a singer and the, then all of a sudden the, she does one thing and then the, the worst movie in that category <laughs> but, um... yeah yeah that would be wild this is for next week's show though when we do our oscar predictions <laughs> episode so for now uh we've talked we've talked about promising young woman which yes we will recommend to see because yes it's certainly worthwhile um and uh, along with another another round which uh, yeah we also recommend uh so yeah two certainly two strong movies here uh, and with that that's i mean it's just a bonus that's really going to do it that's going to wrap us up for the uh for the old show this week um with that in mind well before i get to that abe are, are you excited to finish promising young woman i guess to close with this yeah i'm excited to finish both i, I certainly we've had very good discussions about both of them on the on, on the pod tonight and so i mean you know these are nominated for an academy award uh, in various categories for a certain reason uh, so it's always good to to catch up on these um before you go into it uh just so that you can get a better sense of you know i this is again bleeding to oscar talk but i do like the way that the academy has sort of to some degree broadened their horizons about like yeah no let's include other things other than like prestige things uh, at the end of december into this academy awards it's like oh it's cool I, I like that there's variety and you know to you guys' point the the 10th slate next year like the full 10th slate next year but overall yeah of course i'm excited to finish both these movies i i can't wait to see uh, how both of them uh, uh end up yeah especially because we really want to know your reaction to some of these things <laughs> so. i will not listen to this episode until i'm done <laughs> now to be, to be fair we we did i mean I still advise not to listen to it yet, but we we did we did we 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 still handled things with a with a light touch as far as how far things go. Um, She's just gone full force. Yeah, we got our points across. I'm happy okay. with it. But with that said, that is going to do it for this week's episode about now there and Nave. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at weliveentertainment.com and whysoblue.com. You can also find me on Twitter at aaronsps4. Abe, you can find more fun stuff over my Instagram abe.mua and twitter.com/walrusmoose. Hashtag skull. Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find my work at LenoirTour.net, where I have become a Falcon in the Winter Soldier only site, apparently, because it's the only <laughs> thing I've had time to only thing I've had time to review in the last month. Um, and you're watching the you're watching the also. you're watching the better superhero show also, and you're not writing about that, which is a shame. Invincible. Yeah, I know. That's um, see, I'm covering that. That's 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 my beat. Yeah, I'm I'm covering uh. I'm covering uh, Blackie and Bucky, um, <laughs> or Birdman and White Man, uh, as I affectionately. Yeah, Blackie and Bucky is a uh, is That's Aaron yeah. for the show, and and Birdman and White Man is mine. Um, I dig it. Uh, yeah, you can, and you can find me on Twitter uh, at Terrence B Johnson. Great. You can find all the other yeah. You can find all the other episodes about now there any on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, HHOD, we're on the internet. Free to email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnotpodcast or Twitter.com slash n underscore podcast. And Instagram.com slash outnotpodcast underscore podcast as well. Uh, thank you once again, Terrence, for joining us thank this you, week. Thank you, Terrence. Oh, thanks for having me. It's fun. Terrence, every time that you come on now, I feel like I'm, I have to, like, door dash you something. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great Valentine's Day exchange that we had. <laughs> yes, it was, actually. I might work that into my... uh like a yearly occurrence now <laughs> all right sounds good surprise me <laughs> just, just wait till i'm home i'm, I'm dying sitting right now <laughs> just message just messaging random people uh that i know food <laughs> 
But yeah, that is uh, going to do it for this week's show. Next week, we do have the Oscar prediction and results show, as well as Mortal Kombat, of course. So get ready for a power-packed weekend. But We're going to have three things? That's Ooh. right. Of course we are. It's, <laughs> I, I already planned the Mortal Kombat show, so we definitely are having three yeah. things. <laughs> and, um, with, with a good friend of the show, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for next week to reveal. Yeah, we've got some fun guests lined up. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Even though the gods